What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome in on a Tuesday evening to the Film Guy Network. I'm Brooks Austin. I got my boys Kirby and Jay Will with me. We got a loaded show for you guys tonight. Before we get into anything, I want to go ahead and ask you to go ahead and support us. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button, like, subscribe, and rate review, reviewing. If you watch this and you're hitting that uh, alert button on the channel and you show up early enough, you got a little bonus content there at the beginning of the show tonight. Um, hey, it's bound to happen every once in a while. I told you guys when we first started doing this, treat every mic as if it was hot. Um, so yeah, the notes are a little short tonight, but we're going to figure it out. Um, but welcome in. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button, like, subscribe, and rate, and review, and however, wherever you found us, okay? Whether you listen to us, whether you watch us, okay? Make sure you're leaving a review. Make sure you're leaving a comment. Make sure you're doing your part apart from just listening and watching, even though if you just do that, hey, we love you for it. Participation awards around here are given out. We appreciate you guys for participating in general. We do it every single Tuesday here on the network. It's one of my favorite games to play. I think we should go ahead and rattle it off. No need to worry, no need to waste, no time to waste. Let's go ahead and start playing Guess the Lines for week seven. It's a loaded slate, Jonathan. Go ahead and rattle off um, our first matchup. Give us a little preview, my man. All right, we got one team that's kind of rebounded itself a little bit. Looks like it's taking control, and it looks like they're going to be rolling into um, a conference championship game by December. The other one, kind of lost right now. So we got Alabama versus Arkansas. Ooh, Sam Pittman. Tough route for my boy. We said it at the beginning of the year. Arkansas, got to win out the first two or three weeks because yeah. you're going to take five L's in a row. It Had looks to like. have that BYU. Had game. to have that BYU game, and they, they dropped it. But um, because a, a three and four, maybe a three and five, looks a whole hell of a lot better than a two and five, which mm -hmm. it looks like, or a two and six, rather. It looks like they're about to be staring down. So Arkansas heading into Tuscaloosa, Alabama, obviously coming off of that road win. A massive win for them in this sense. And I don't think we did a good enough job talking about it last night. We, we talked about going into that matchup, how Texas A&M did everything well that Alabama doesn't do well. Okay, Texas A&M stops the run well. Okay, Alabama needs to run the football. Okay, Texas A&M can get after the quarterback. Alabama had a problem protecting their quarterback. Uh, Texas A&M did a good job of, of requiring teams to beat them through the air. Jalen Milrow and Alabama's offense and offense prior to Saturday hadn't shown a recipe uh, or an ability to win games in which they become one-dimensional or forced to be one-dimensional. Well, guess what happened Saturday? Saturday, they couldn't run the football. Saturday, they had to throw to win. Saturday, Jalen Milrow completed balls and, and, and won a game in a style of game that I didn't necessarily know that he was going to be able to do so. So before we give the lines, I think Saturday, Jalen Milrow did something that, guys, this channel, this group of, uh, of analysts, said that we didn't think they could do. Hell, last week I said this was Muhammad Sanu. This is a football player in the <laughs> sense that if he's not wide open, pull the ball down a run. It's a joke. Everyone, y'all laughing. That's exactly how analysts were talking about this dude. Mm -hmm. People were talking about it, and I still do to an extent. The intermediate passing, the short passing, it's not like it was perfect on Saturday. The deep bombs were there because Texas A&M was letting guys just run right by him. The, the Jermaine Burton bombs were there on Saturday, and they were completable or incompletable, right? We either complete it or we throw it out of bounds. The intermediate stuff's still not there, right? We still are a one read, chuck it up, get it done, but they got the daggum job done on Saturday in an environment, in a game, in a style of game that I didn't think they were going to win. So before we talk about and actually going against the lines, thoughts about Jalen Milrow being able to win that style of football game? It's exactly what we needed to see from Alabama for people to start 
almost I, I hate to say rebuying in because it is Alabama, but yeah, rebuying into the Alabama stock this season was to see better quarterback play and to see this is, that this offense can be explosive through the passing game. So to see that from Milrow last week, and if he can continue that and continue to have success as an actual thrower, then people are going to be jumping right back onto that Bama wagon. I don't think you should jump on the Jalen Milrow and Bama wagon, back wagon just yet. I do think he played an incredible game. I didn't expect him to throw for 300 yards, but I do think a lot of that was A&M's got a pretty rough secondary and Jermaine Burton had an incredible game. So – I, it's a good sign if you're an Alabama fan. It's good that you already know he can be a dual threat, and now he has the capability to pass for this much. Good news, not permanent news. Yeah, I don't. I don't think this is. Oh, he's finally picked it up, and he's he's gonna be doing this the rest of the season. I wouldn't expect Jalen Merrow to have 300 yards every game. I love the take. All right, let's go ahead and guess the line. I'm gonna put it at Bama. Man, this 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 is a this is a this is gonna be a heavy line. I'm going Bama minus 17. Yeah. I'll... It's definitely two touchdowns. I'll go 15 and a half. 19 and a half. Yeah. God dang, almost three touchdowns there by right. Bama. And you know what? Looking at it, I almost want to say cover. <coughs> I almost want to say cover. Yeah. We'll get into it later in the week. But that, it's it's tough right now for Sam. Yeah. Um, I was actually talking to I, – I don't have sources with Sam Pittman. I don't have anybody up there close to him. But I know some people who do um, – Apparently, the vibe around Arkansas right now isn't quite exactly a hot seat. I think he knows he's got into next year um, and, and the kind of gets to ride out the K.J. Jefferson years. And then after that, we'll see what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would love to gauge, and I, I wish this is why I wish this, and eventually one day this network will be that big. I, I want this to be a national audience in the sense that I want to be able to gauge Arkansas fans. I want to I know how rational or irrational they are. Because um, in all honesty, that, that, that is a, a five and seven to eight and four program. Mm -hmm. That should be their range, right? They should be the Western version of Kentucky. That should be their goals. Uh, I saw a stat today that Kentucky has only had two wins against SEC opponents that had winning records inside the conference, okay? Arkansas should fucking feast off Mississippi State. Arkansas should feast uh, off of beating Ole Miss every other year, right? Arkansas should feast on what is the bottom of the SEC West and nab off somebody who is better than them every single year like Kentucky does. I think if that were the fan base's expectations of that football program, then guess what? Sam Pittman gets to stick around and should be sticking around. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, I, I, I'll take the win on that minus – minus 19.5 is a lot for me. Um, but, no, I, I think the 17.5 was the number. All right, what do we got next, Jay? Will set it up for us. This is the game of the week, in my opinion. Absolutely. It's Oregon at Washington. This is the game – to me, it has the recipe – to be the game of the year so far. Yeah. I know Oklahoma and Texas is a big rivalry. This, this has massive implications, mm-hmm. ones that we're going to talk about even beyond this segment tonight. I mean, do you yeah. think is this? Do you have to treat this as an elimination game if you're Oregon and Washington? We'll get right into it. We'll I mean, go ahead yeah, and dump might, this segment. We might as well hit it. Might as well hit on it right now. Um, so we, we had a segment kind of like this the other day of, of, of a whole bunch of what ifs. Um, I think there are a handful of remaining unbeaten teams in college football, and you can separate them via conference, right? Um, is Georgia going to win out and win the SEC and remain undefeated? That's the question. They Michigan, should. Ohio State, Penn State in the Big Ten, one of those teams, are they going to remain undefeated and win out? Uh, in the Pac-12, we're going to talk about it right now, USC, Oregon, Washington. Which one of those football teams is going to win out? Um, we've already talked about the, the Big 12. Is Oklahoma going to win out and remain undefeated? Florida State, UNC, and Louisville in the ACC, a potential chance that all of them 
remain undefeated. So when you ask the question of, is this football game a must win? And is this an elimination game for the loser of this football game being Oregon or Washington? The answer is found in what happens to the remainder of the field of college football. Okay. Um, The the biggest scare for me right now, uh, if I'm anybody in the Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, is the idea that UNC or Louisville or Florida State, one of those teams is going to be left an, uh, an undefeated football team and not have to even play in their ACC championship game. That is going to be insane if that happens, and there's a possibility that it does. So I think it's way too early for these type of hypotheticals, but, yeah, you get, you get left out. I mean, there's the, that's the crazy part. We're halfway through the season, and we have Power 5 football teams. Nowadays, or usually at this point in the season, we're like, hey, is UCF's schedule going to be big enough for them to ran, run the table and get into the college football playoff? It's Houston's <laughs> schedule, whatever the, the non-Power 5 is because we've ran out of undefeateds. Guys, right. we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven power five football teams halfway through the season that are undefeated. So yeah, it is an elimination game from that standpoint if everyone's gonna remain undefeated in college football, which looks like there's gonna be a lot of them, guys. I mean, there's a bunch of those teams right there that have paths to undefeated slates. Give it three weeks. Give it three yeah, weeks. Yeah, I mean it, it is give it three weeks. I also wholeheartedly agree that you have to treat it as an elimination game. There is a statistical possibility that you can still lose this game and get I mean, last year, if USC beats Utah, they're probably a playoff team. So I think you don't want to have that one loss, especially in a, as a Pac-12 opponent where you're not right now in the top five, either of them. So I think you should have to treat it as an elimination game, but I don't think it is a true elimination game where it's losing you're out of the playoff. Hmm. Hmm. What do you have to line up? Oh, well, I just want to put a bow on this discussion. The more and more I talk about this, the more and more we walk through these potential outcomes. I've been the biggest, the biggest critic of the expansion to 12 playoff teams. I've hated it. I've always thought it was like a, a, a lessening of our sport. But when it comes to this particular season, a 12-team playoff would help us actually answer these questions. Because midway through the season, I do think there are 10 really, really good football teams. And I think there are two almost flawless football teams. I think Georgia and Michigan have kind of separated themselves from the rest of the pack. They've also proven to be a little bit vulnerable. There are recipes to beating them. They're not perfect football teams, but they have separated themselves in my opinion. But there are eight football teams that I don't know. I don't know who the other two teams are out of those eight um, that are available. And and for that reason, I think a 12-team playoff is dope. But we have suspense. We have suspense the rest of the football season with every single one of these games. We're going to be waiting around with bated breath, and we're going to be able to talk about this right here. Oh, did Washington get eliminated this weekend? Did Oregon get eliminated this weekend? We have that now, and that's what's great. It's one of the many things that's great about college football. We don't have that next year. We don't have that moving forward. Um, That's kind of sad to me, but it's kind of dope that we're going to kind of get a more perfect champion. We're going to get a more uh, complete champion. We're going to have a more in the sense that we know for a fact that team was the best team, but we're not going to get the perfect, the pursuit of perfection anymore. It's not going to be a requirement. The thing that I think people don't appreciate when you are pro expansion is that the back half of the season for a lot of teams, your playoff has started. Yeah. For Texas, it is single elimination. For Bama, it's it's single elimination. You entered the playoff as soon as you lost to A&M, as soon as you lost to Oklahoma. That's what people don't realize. You're in a pseudo playoff right now for some of these teams. Obviously, you still have six or seven teams that are in the top ten that can still lose that game before they have to go, oh, shit, we need to win out. But you take that away when you add the 12 team. You, like gone. you said, you take away the suspense of it. Whereas, oh, that, that, Bama, Bama that can't tight, lose another game. That tight butthole is gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, 
that sphincter sphincter. Yeah, I mean, there's a guy on Twitter that's been making the elimination graphics. Anytime a team gets to two losses, it'll say, Notre Dame officially eliminated eliminated from the college football playoff. Mm. Don't get that no more next year. No, you don't. All right, uh, guess the line. I'm going to say, in my opinion, Vegas should favor a team like Oregon in this matchup because they are defense and line of scrimmage based. I'm going to say Oregon minus two and a half, even though they're on the road. God yeah. dang, I'm taking Bo Nix. What? Yeah. I'll take Penix to win the football game. Though. You know, my guess was around the two and a half, two March, so I'll give it three. But I, th- I think two and a half is the right call. Oregon favored? Yeah. Yeah. What's so you said what? I said Oregon two and a half. Neither one of you are right. Washington is favored, and they're favored by three. Wow. So technically you win, we'll I take guess. It. I mean, I'll take, a, I'll take a win in that scenario. Um yeah, how about it? Washington being favorite. Winner of the football game, quarterback who wins the football game, might lock their seat in for New York. Yeah, because statistically uh, yeah. moving forward, they'll be they'll be assuming better. that they even, well, yeah. even if they're two lost football teams, assuming that five. they maintain status they, quo. They, they win yeah. this weekend. Oregon and Washington avoid being a three loss. I mean, you're the game of the week. Most. You're going to get that platform this yeah. week. Of where's your Heisman? What moment? time do they play? Three thirty. Three thirty. Hmm. On ABC, would have liked it to be a nighttime like yeah. That's what we were hoping for too. That's what uh, USC Notre Dame is. Yeah. Ah, yeah. They they they're gonna avoid that. Mm -hmm. USC Notre Dame. Most people will. Um, So yeah, it's a dub for me. What do we got next, Jay? Will another one of those things where they're on they're not in the same division, but they're kind of both in the same situation where we don't really know who they are yet. But this game might help us figure out who they are. We got Texas A and M at Tennessee. Mmm. Tasty. Tennessee coming off of a bye. Tasty. Tennessee coming off of a bye and a massive home win against South Carolina. Get to stack a couple home games in a row. Um, been comfy, been cozy, been in Neyland for a, almost a month now, yeah. basically, as a football team since the win against, or since the loss, rather, against Florida. Yeah. Um, hmm. I'm going to set this line. I think A&M is the far more talented football team, but I think Neyland Stadium, not far more, I shouldn't say that. I think they're the more talented football team, and they have more consistent quarterback play. I think even Joe Milton, even Tennessee fans will tell you, a lot of up and downs in that performance, um, game to game, snap to snap almost with him. That being said, Neyland Stadium spooks Vegas, uh, spooks the betting public. I'm going to say Tennessee minus one and a half, basically a push, just giving the points advantage to Tennessee via home field. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think another thing Vegas is probably looking at is that A&M secondary just gave up 300 passing Oops. yards to Jalen Milrow. Of all folks. And I would I would be willing to argue that Joe Milton is a better thrower than Jalen Milrow. Before you tell us a line, I just want to say, honey, I love you to death. Okay, don't touch my fridge. Okay, not that you watch the show. Okay, you watch the intros in case I say something about you. But I, you're definitely not 30 minutes deep into the second hour. All right, we know that for a fact. Um, don't touch my fridge. Because now my Gatorade's all frozen. All right, and frozen Gatorade is the worst. Frozen Gatorade, you know what? I don't like it on a hot summer day. Um, cools you off and, 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 you know, Mystic Mountain Blueberry, all that good stuff. But I, frozen Gatorade, brutal on a show like today. And it, she came down here, love her to death. Fridge is a little warm. Doesn't feel cold. Messes with the, the, the settings. Now all of a sudden my shit's frozen. What's the next game? I, I didn't get some. Uh, Tennessee two and a half. Tennessee two and a half. What's line? Kirby with the win. Tennessee minus three and a half. Let's go. Wow. Let's go. I like A&M to win that game outright. Right now. We'll see about my analysis tomorrow we'll when see. we make final predictions. All right. All right this right, next Kirby game. That one. I'm it up is, two to one. 
This next game is the definition of these are two teams that you better not sleep on because mm. they're going to get you. UCLA at Oregon State. These mm. are This is a slobber knocker. This football game is going to be 14 to 10. Maybe a 15-12 Wake Forest Clemson type football game here between these two football teams. UCLA, on paper, might have the best defense in the country. It's crazy. On paper. Uh, this Leon Latu guy, mm-hmm. lead the nation in sacks, also lead the nation, maybe not lead the nation in sacks, lead the nation in uh, quarterback pressure rate. Um, Going to be a first-round draft pick, uh, assuming all of his physicals passed. Do you all know the story about Leon Latu? Do not. Um, he was at Washington, was a five-star recruit, um, basically had to medically retire because there was a broken vertebrae in his neck or something going on in his spinal column in his neck. Um, ultimately moved on to UCLA. UCLA's doctors cleared him. He's back now. It's a great story. He's one of the best players in college football. It's terrifying. Um, it is terrifying. It's 100% terrifying. Any type of spinal injuries, but he's been cleared. Everything looks to be good. He's had multiple, multiple years of now of, of repairing the spinal column and getting back to playing football, and everything seems to be clear. We'll see what happens with the NFL draft process. I would imagine teams try to stay away from him, or not try to stay away from him, but are fearful of mm-hmm. that being a potential injury or potential issue. But bottom line, UCLA defense elite, Oregon State's defense elite or bordering elite offensive styles here between these two football teams relatively standard as well. You know what? I like Dante more. I'm going to pick UCLA tomorrow. I, I keep spoiling my picks, but I'm going to go through it with you tomorrow. Um, but I think Oregon State's favored by two points in this football game at home. Really? I, I, I like Oregon State. Minus, by a lot. Minus four and a half, pushing five, I think. What's Vegas say? Oregon State minus four. All right. Let's there go. you go. Kirby wins it again. Ties it up 2-2. Two, two. On to our next one. What do we got? I don't even know how to preview this game for you. Um, ACC, man. Miami <laughs> at North Carolina. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> Obviously, Mario Cristobal coming back from uh, one of the biggest coaching blunders in the history of the sport. Do we know of anything worse? Anything that's been more humiliating from a coach um, and more defeating? Did you watch the postgame press conference? Yeah. Uh, he, it's five and a half minutes long. It's the shortest press conference I've watched all year. It's five and a half minutes long of him basically having no answer. Mm-hmm. I Honestly, as a football coach at that point, you almost got to go in there and, and say, look, guys, I messed up. I, it's on me. I fucked up bad. Um, I don't know where we need to go with this press conference. Um, I failed my players today. Uh, we didn't we, – we, we had a position – our players did enough to win the football game today. I did not do my job of protecting the win. Um and I'll open it up to questions. That's what the OC did. Really? He just outright took blame. He said, that's on me. He said, I made the call. Shame on Mario Cristobal for having his offense coordinator do that. Yeah, he put his head on the chopping block. Who talked first? Do I don't know? know. That's a good question. I just saw um, after the game where the OC was I like, don't like on me. that. I don't like that at all. I, I like that the offensive coordinator did that. It's his first year in that system. That's not his call. That is not his call. Um, that is the head coach's job. To, to not only make that decision in that moment, but to fall on that sword after that football game. I, I don't like that at all. I agree with you. Um, but in terms of this football game, uh, North Carolina does the one thing you got to do uh, to score and, and, and play with Miami, and that's throw the football. Um, they throw it really, really well. I think North Carolina is going to be favored in this football game. I'm going to say by three points. What do you got? I've got two and a half. So we're kind of in sync right now of how close we think these are going to be. I think – they're going to kind of look at Miami and say, okay, they should be a 6-0 football team. 
or yeah. five and zero. I can't remember if they've had a. They have a bye week already. So this should be a five and zero football team, and they've played like that up until one play of a Georgia Tech game. So it's a closer game than people think. So I'll go two and a half. They tried to lose that game against Texas A and M. That first half. They, yeah. I mean, they had punt team issues. They had all kinds of stuff. Brooks with the dub, UNC minus three and a half. Mm. So it is three, me, two to you, all coming down. Can you play for the tie here, Kirby? Last football game of the night, what is it? If you fall asleep watching the History Channel because you love history, this is a game for you because it's USC at Notre Dame. <laughs> a lot of history in this football game. You fall asleep watching the History Channel? No, I don't. I never have. Actually, I take that back. Back in the day, they used to have some dope-ass, like, uh, shows. animal shows. Yeah. Man, I'd I just be feel all like over it. Anytime I was at my grandpa's house, if he was asleep on the couch, the History Channel was on. History Channel's kind of fire. They got some good stuff. Yeah, for sure. I'm not a big history buff. No, me either. History's fun, man. Um, I think I need to get into it a little bit. You do? I just don't have time to read other than the stuff that you guys write. Because I'm reading y'all's, editing y'all's, and I don't, all that I don't stuff. Read. And you just got to watch documentaries every now and then. Yeah? Yeah. I don't read. Reading's for losers. Put your little doc on. I never read. Nice, I um, like it. I'm trying to get my reading back on. I got a Kobe document or a Kobe biography that I need to read. I got a Ben Watson book under here somewhere that I got to read on parenting. Ben Watson, incredible parent. His opening, his, his opening to his book, I know I'm going on here. Ben Watson tells a story about being a father when his uh, wife was pregnant for the first time. She has morning sickness, and he's in there like, he, he sees her having morning sickness, and he holds her hair. The four is written by his, his wife, and she like talks about how in that moment when he just sat there in the bathroom with her and like held her hair while she was sick for like hours on end. Um, I told Ben Watson when I met him at the SC Nation, or SC Media Days, better dude than I am. I, yeah, I, I don't do vomit. Mm-hmm. I don't do vomit. Um, and for you to do that for your wife in that moment, Ben Watson, incredible, incredible dude. Um, all right, anyways, USC, Notre Dame, big football game, huge football game, national brands like you're talking about, history involved in this football game. I was talking about it on the VSN network, VSIN network, uh, Brent Musburger's network out there in Vegas, big gambling show out there. They actually gave us a shout-out for our production quality on the show. So thousands and thousands of people watched that Musburger Network and uh, they gave you guys a shout out. So shouts out to the Thanks, boys. Thanks guys. Um, shouts out to the network as well. I know they get, those guys watch us. Uh, it's one of my favorite weekly hits that I get to do. They're a really well done program out there. Um, but we were talking about this and I, I think the difference in the football game, I'm always going to lean line of scrimmage. If you're a line mm-hmm. of scrimmage advantage, I'm always going to lean you. Yep. And if you can do things that make the other team uh, stress the things that they can't do, like, I don't know, tackle, um, <laughs> then I'm going to take you. And USC tackles like a middle school football team, honest to God. So if I, you're telling me I, I can get a Notre Dame football team at home and they are one of the most explosive football teams in terms of running the football in the country with our, our, our boy, uh, what, what's the man's name? I can't remember. Oh, God. Starts with an E, as E something. Anyways, man's ripping, man's ripping runs, and this USC defense is abhorrent. Okay, I'm going to say Notre Dame favorite at home by three points. I think. Hold on. But judging by that level of exhaustion in your voice, next week we're going to trade off who gets to guess first. Okay? Because yeah, I, think, I think I'm playing you a disservice <laughs> here by always getting to go first. So next week we're going to actually level the playing field. Me as the show host will implement that rule next week. Judge J. Will. Yeah. I like it. Uh, 
Give me Notre Dame minus one and a half. I think Caleb Ooh. Williams, they kind of lean Caleb Williams to keep it close. That is a terrific answer, Christian, but not good enough to win because Brooke takes it. It is Notre Dame minus three and a half. I love it. I love it. Just fat dubs here on the network for yours truly. Uh, that's a 4-2 win. I think that's two weeks in a row. Don't yeah. call it a streak. Don't call it a streak. Mama, I don't gamble, I swear. But if I did, I'd be over there on prizepicks.com forward slash or uh, promo code Brooks, all right? I'm going to tell you that right meow. Um, and I'd be getting in on some of them uh, Thursday Thunders they got going on. Is it Thursday Thunder? Flex Friday. Flex Friday. That's a whole other different Thursday, brand. Taco Tuesday. Don't, 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 don't mention the brand. It's some, some I don't know what brand. I've never heard of Thursday Thunder, Thunder honestly. Um, anyways, yeah, Taco Tuesday's coming up today. Taco Tuesday's over mm. there today. Uh, Flex Friday coming up on Prize Picks. Make sure you're using it. This is Promo like code Brooks over there today. Sports betting time. Yeah, Playoff it's baseball. Hell, there's Everything. three football, college football games on tonight. Yeah. Blow your head off. NBA's coming up. Some crazy, crazy stuff going on out here in the world of college football. Hey, uh, Kirby, you put this one in the show notes today, or did you do the show notes today? I did show notes. Did show notes. You did the show notes today. I like this one. Introduce this uh, spoiler segment, this upset segment, if you will. The uh, Which one before? Yeah, 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 that one. So the top four teams, fifth team has a bye week. They don't play super big marquee games this week, but there are kind of some games where you go, that's a sneaky matchup. For example, you've got UGA at Vandy, Indiana at Michigan, Ohio State at Purdue, and Syracuse at Florida State. Oklahoma so, on a bye? Yeah, Oklahoma's okay. on a bye. So out of those four teams, if you had to pick one to say that's a team that's going to get upset this week, who would you pick? Well, it's definitely not Georgia. Yeah. I think Georgia beats Vandy by the midway through the second quarter. We're like, all right, enough of that. I He's might, dead I already. Might, Stop. I might kick up a post-game live stream at halftime, oh. honest to God. It, I think it's going to be that bad. It's just, I mean, unless explosives happen, okay, which I don't, I don't believe to be the case. But Florida gave up a couple touchdowns on Saturday, just like 75-yard gashers because the Seals kid just chunked it up and threw it. Did you know A.J. Swan got benched? Wow. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of uh, shockers to a lot of Georgia fans that are like, oh, this A.J. Swan guy, pretty cool story. The Cherokee County, um, you know, Georgia kid, playing for Vandy, looked good as a freshman. Is he going to be in the portal? think he might be in the portal this year. Um, there are some football teams that apparently are interested as well. Just word on the street, word on the street. Shout out Key Glock. Shout out Key Glock. I was wondering if you are going to get I it. I can't do the next um, lyrics. Yeah, I can't either. <laughs> like. That homie Key. Um, but anyways, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting football game. Or No, it's not going to be an interesting football game. George's going to blow that one out. So let's just eliminate that one. If I'm looking at these four, okay, Indiana at Michigan. Guys, I think Michigan is – I think Michigan is 2021 Georgia, okay? I think they are. Defensively, when I watch them on tape, they're scary as shit. They're so physical. They're so big. They're so fast. They're so well coached, okay? Um, they're going to control a lot of football teams. Now, here's the deal. The moment they run up on somebody that can punch with them, they might be in trouble because they haven't had to play any other style. They haven't had to show that they can play any other style. It's very, very akin to me to that 2021 football team where Stetson Bennett's going into Arkansas throwing 11 attempts, and then it's like, okay, guess what? You're in the SC Championship game, and, Al and Alabama can score with you. And better yet, they can score better than you. So Stetson Bennett's going to have to throw it 35 times today. What's going to happen? He's going to throw two picks. One of them is going to be a pick six. Okay. That happens to Michigan this year. I wonder what happens to them because the last two years, the moment it's happened, they've looked ra rather anemic um, and looked pretty troublesome to win that football game. Last year, I think it was Illinois that put them in a box yep. and, and gave them a scare at home. 
I don't think Indiana's this football team this year, okay? Um, Indiana looked decent the first half against Ohio State. I don't think they're going to be big enough, physical enough up front to handle Michigan. I think Michigan rolls in that, that football game, which leaves us Ohio State-Purdue, Syracuse-Florida State. I think the team on, on upset alert is Florida State. Ooh. I think it is. Um, I think Ohio State handles Purdue on the road. Not even um, with the history? Not even with the history. I think Ryan Day's got this football team. Here, here's the deal. Purdue in years past, when they've snuck up on Ohio State, it's been via the explosives on offense. This Ohio State team, in my opinion, defensively, is really, really sound. If there's anything I feel good about Ohio State, it's not whether or not they can stay healthy. God dang, every single time I turn a fill or a tape on of Ohio State, 18's on the ground or a Buka is now the one that might be questionable heading into this week. Okay, so health is a real major concern. They couldn't run the football last week. Offensive line question or plays up and down like Henderson's hurt. Henderson's hurt. So there are inconsistencies, but it's not on the defensive side of the football. So I think this week to week inconsistencies, up and down play is no longer an issue with Ohio State for me. Okay. When they get beat, they'll get beat. Yeah. They won't get snuck up on. They'll they'll get beat by a team that is better than them. And I don't think Indiana is. So what about Syracuse makes it that you believe that it's not about Syracuse for me it's about Florida State on the other end I when when you are very dependent upon wide receivers going to win their one-on-ones all it takes is two corners to show up and play the game of their fucking life Mm -hmm. that's all it requires for you to be on upset alert I think we saw that from Boston College we saw a football team that gave them some issues um it the 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 difference here is is uh, the difference here is it's at home, and they, they do tend to play really well at Doke Walker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Clemson's DBs played great for three quarters. It was just until the fourth quarter where they Who, by the way, Nate Wiggins, on. NFL football player. The other guy on the other end, four-and-a-half-star football player, like really, really good corners. Don't know if Syracuse – Syracuse had that in years past. Don't know if they got it this year. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Florida State, to me, is the, the up-and-down football team. But Ohio State being on the road might makes, makes me kind of want to pick them as, to be on the, t- the team on upset alert. I think it's definitely between Florida State and Ohio State. Correct. I think Michigan and Georgia handle business pretty easily. The so. chat seems to think it's Florida State on upset. I think Florida this State week. too. That'd be the that'd be the team that I pick amongst this list. Absolutely. Where should we go next? Should we do these midseason awards? You want to? What does it do? I it? do. I do. I think it's a really really good topic. And and to be honest with you, we kind of do. I mean, every every one of these national audience shows, I think, kind of does the same thing every week. It's like, oh, we do reactions, we do picks. And then we do final thoughts, and then we do yada, yada, yada. I haven't seen anybody doing midseason awards this year. Not yet. That's Don't know usually why. pretty Place to be, man. So let's hammer them down. Midseason awards it is. Here are the categories. We have most improved football team. We have the MVP of college football. We have the most regressed football team. We have the biggest surprise and the game of the year so far. I think MVP, we are a little biased on this network. Um, so maybe we don't do a one, two, three. But I, I think I know the most valuable player. If you watch the second half of the tight football games Georgia played in, so I'm going to take Brock Bowers as the most valuable football player this year. Um, who would you guys take? For me, I said Jaden Daniels because okay. I said without Jaden Daniels, I think we they're zero and five. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I think we are saying very different things about this LSU football team because I, like I have no defense. That, L- that LSU offense is everything. Jaden Daniels is everything to that LSU offense. And without him, them boys and Brian Kelly would be in a lot of trouble right now. Mm, yeah, I like that take a lot. What do you got, Curb? For the same reason that Jay Will has, I have Caleb Williams. I think if you've yeah. watched this USC team, they are very bad on the defensive side of the ball. 
And they've had kind of lulls on their offense every now and then. Caleb Williams has had to do superhuman. He's had to carry linebackers to the end zone, things like that. So it's like, if you take Caleb Williams off that team, what is USC right now? I think they're a very bad football team. Whereas, you know, as amazing and as much of a difference Brock Bowers makes, his absence I don't think right. would necessarily affect Georgia as much. You're right. They might not be undefeated, but they're still a very good football team. You two kicked my ass in that category. Jaden Daniels and Caleb Williams are far more valuable to their football teams than Brock Bowers. Um, though I don't think they win that Auburn game without Bowers. No, no ag- agreed with that. I don't think so either. Um, agreed with that. So I think they handle South Carolina, but I don't think they get out of Auburn unscathed without the best position player in, in college football. Um, I think we saw that in the second half. I mean, I think he had nine yards in the first half of that football game. He had 125 in the second. So He had almost yeah. 150. <laughs> he had a touchdown second. drive by himself, yeah, basically. Essentially. So, yeah, huge, huge impactful performances from that young man. Um, throughout the year. Let's go on to most improved football team. I'll start here. Um, I think it's Oklahoma. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of their losses last year were one-score losses, but that's a football team that's drastically improved year over year, particularly on the defensive side of the football. Um, they have they, they last year, I think, gave up over 30 points. They were in the bottom, I think they were 88th last year in points per game allowed. That is, that is just Ew. horrendous for Oklahoma football standards. Um, even with Lincoln Riley um, at, at the helm as, off, or as the head coach and the, and the decision maker there, but particularly for a Brent Venables defense, um, they have made drastic improvements from a just continuity standpoint, not busting as many assignments, um, don't have as many guys running wide-ass, butt-ass naked down the middle of the field. That's a football team that has certainly come out and showed some drastic improvements for me. They would be my vote for most improved. It's Colorado for me. Mm. I, mm. I mean – as much as the flaw, as many flaws as they have, they are still the most. Like if you were to take last year's Colorado football team and play this year's Colorado football team, this year's Colorado team might beat them seventy to nothing. Chill out, chill out. They just had a last second win against Arizona State, a football team that is essentially them from a year ago. So <laughs> let's is, not get too hot with the <laughs> Jesus, That is true. Not get too hot. I think if you just compare what they were last year to this year, I think they are the most improved no, team. No, you're right. Dion's done a, a tremendous job of not only – and he did it from jump, right? There was this, an immediate buzz around that football program. And the, the best football is still ahead of Colorado, mm-hmm. 100%. You're, you're right. They have been one of the more improved football teams in college football. I've got the Miami Hurricanes. I think they've kind of gotten shit on because of what happened last week, but just a little pick me up right here. From <laughs> yeah, let me think about it. <laughs> a little pick Come me up. This is a team here, that right last year was getting boat raced by Duke and losing to Middle Tennessee. This year, they're literally taking a knee away from being undefeated halfway through the season. So uh, Middle Tennessee, Georgia Tech. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but still, you should have won that game. So I mean, the fact that you're in, taking a knee away from being undefeated says a lot about where you were last year. I almost picked Louisville, but I looked yeah. at their history. They went 8-5 and five last year. Yeah. So they didn't have a bad season. It's definitely surprising that they're undefeated at this point, but I would say that their improvement hasn't been as big as, per se, a Miami or someone else. Louisville last year with a four-point loss to Florida State, a one-point loss to Boston College, a 15-point loss to Clemson. So they got beat there. Another 13-point loss to Kentucky. They got beat there. Um, as well as a loss to start the season, a 24-point loss to Syracuse. Obviously, a new head coaching staff. And they staff still haven't played half of those teams either. Well. Huh? They still haven't played half of those yeah, teams Yeah, they still either. haven't played half those teams on the remaining of their schedule. But, yeah, they, they, they've controlled the early portion of their schedule. I think they pull the classic Kentucky. Kentucky does this shit every year where yep. they, they end up 5-0 and going into their first big conference game, and they get drummed up, end up 8-5. and And it's great. 
It's honestly gotten Mark Stoopy a $6 million contract, but it, it is classic Kentucky, and it might be classic Louisville um, this year because they do have some, some real meat and potatoes left on their schedule moving forward. Um, so that wraps up most surprise. I was going to say Florida here um, a couple weeks ago, mm. and then they laid an egg yeah. against Kentucky. So that, that was, uh, you know, unfortunate because Bayou Billy down there doing, just doing this. He just up and then down and up and then down and up and then down. And, and uh, I think one thing that could help him, just don't say as much in the, in the, in the media. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, we know Kirby doesn't want to be there. Just do that. We know Kirby doesn't want to say anything. Just do that, okay? But don't be uh, short-sighted with the media. Um, don't be aggressive with them. Make them kind of like you. Either make them fear you or make them like you. I don't think he's doing either down there, um, and that might be an issue. Um, I think Penn State has a two-year window. I think Penn State, with their quarterback right now, with Drew Alar, he's, he's going to play this year. He's going to be draft eligible next year. And I, that's it. I think they got a two-year window with a really, really great quarterback. And I really think it's a one-year window if you really look at their roster, how they're constructed. Mm-hmm. Um, their upperclassmen that are on that roster right now, the, the super seniors that are on that roster right now, the first-round top 15 pick at left tackle that they have right now. Um, hey, the, those running backs are, are really, really good right now. But how long are we going to be good at the running back position, right? Only about two more years. I think two weeks. Yeah, I think, I think you have a two-year window at Penn State. You better figure it out. Um, but they have been a really, really improved football team offensively because of their quarterback position. We'll, we'll let you guys go with uh, who's the most regressive football team? Who's the football team that's taken the biggest step back this year? Clemson. Mm. Clemson, for sure. I, huh. And it's not even like they it were. It was expected to me. I think, I think we saw the writing was on the wall. And, you know, I'll give him credit. And I don't know if he wants me to out him like this, but he's kind of a behind-the-scenes dude anyways. Not a lot of people, you know, going to be out here hunting him down. But Jeremy Johnson told me this. Jeremy Johnson went and saw them for their spring game, and he came back and he said, dude, they are, they're going to be bad. Like not, they're, not that they're not going to be good. They're going to be bad. At the line of scrimmage, they're going to be bad. And uh, that was shocking to me to hear. Yeah, to hear that Clemson's going to be bad up front on both lines of scrimmage. That's just, that's just not Clemson. That's not who they've been under Dabo Sweeney. And, I mean, heck, they finished seventh in the final cultural playoff rankings last year, and they aren't going to finish anywhere close to that this Did year. Did you know that halfway through the season – Georgia Tech has a loss to Bowling Green and is ahead of Clemson in the ACC standings. That's tough. That's a little fun fact of the day for you right there. That's embarrassing. That's intense. That's intense. Mm. Um, So, yeah, that is a huge surprise for me. What do you got? It's got to be TCU. Mm. You won. You went undefeated in the regular season last year. What is their record right now? They're two and four, two and three. Are you shitting me? That's bad. Yeah, they're not good. They're very bad. Sony Dykes, little Gene Chizik, Spider-Man meme. Maybe. Little without <laughs> the ring, Gene Chizik, Sonny Dykes. The bottom hey, of the Big 12. Watch out. Just, yeah. Or maybe Gus Malzahn. Nah, because Gu- Gus is a sustainable coach. Yeah, Gus, Gus is still thriving at you. Chizik's out here working for the SEC Network and working for Mac Brown. Yeah. And giving up a half a hundo every yeah. week. Yeah. He's been better this year. Yeah. North Carolina defense improved. Okay, that's, much improved, that's but yeah, but no, hard I mean, not to be. To be a TCU's national, three and three says the chat. Three and three, okay. okay. To, but to be competing for a national title and you're already at three losses this year, where you had an undefeated regular season, that's a massive regression. And they had a lot of momentum, particularly mm-hmm. on the recruiting trail yeah. last year. Um, I remember during the national title, he he's doing his 
media availabilities, and he was talking about how the week before the national title, they were playing official visit hosts to as many people as they possibly could. They, they tried to maximize every bit of that Uncle Mo that they were getting from the national title, and you are right. They did not do it. Um, that was an option for me. Uh, Bama's regression in terms of their ceiling based off their quarterback play was for me on that list, um, but we kind of knew that. I think we were on this boat and on this uh, train early in the season. There ain't no such thing as bully ball no more. You've got to be able to go out and throw the football. We saw that this weekend for them, um, so I didn't take them. They, they actually did what they showed that they couldn't be able to do. Um, but the biggest regression to me, you guys mentioned it, it's got to be LSU. The fact that they are about to, you know, waste the last full year of Jaden Daniels, who's putting up astronomical amounts of points, um, and the fact that they're going to waste this offense that appears to me to be able to score 45 points a game, uh, all because they can't play a lick of defense, is crazy to me. They have two losses on their schedule that are ugly, okay? Uh, losses where they just didn't show up defensively, um, and that, to me, is pretty, pretty surprising to me. To, to see that type of regression. Wasting that with two defensive players that are really talented and Harold Perkins and Mason Smith. Yeah. It's definitely an underachievement. I don't, I don't think enough has been talked about nationally about how I don't necessarily discredit Brian Kelly or their defensive staff for what's going on with Harold Perkins. That very clearly seems to me to be a player-led decision. That kid wants to play inside linebacker on the NFL level. Yeah. He wants his draft stock to result that. He needs to play inside linebacker. Mm -hmm. This is Jalen Walker. This is what this is. You Georgia fans watching, this is what this is. Jalen Walker doesn't know how to play inside linebacker right now, but he's great as a pass rusher, so they play him on third downs at the pass rusher position. Well, guess what? LSU doesn't have a bunch of inside linebackers that are better than Harold Perkins right now. He's the best one they have available. So he's learning how to play a position that he has never really played, that he's going to have to play on Sundays right now in live reps. And as much as it has been a negative impact to LSU's defense because he serves their purpose best rushing the passer, he wants to play inside linebacker. So that's what they're doing with him to, to enhance the future earnings of the football player. I'm not going to sit here and shit on Brian Kelly for allowing that to happen. We talk about all the time how you have to maximize the, the outputs of your players. Like, he's been a player-led coach right there. That is not, I can't sit here and criticize him for not utilizing a player that doesn't want to be utilized in that sense. Amen no. to that. You can't. It'd be like saying, well, y'all need to split Darnell Washington out some more, whatever it was last year at the University of Georgia. Goofy. Goofy. If the player comes to you and says, I'm an inside linebacker coach, well, if he's the best inside linebacker, even if he's not the best version of himself for your football team, that's where he gets to play. Okay, so I, I'm not going to sit here and do that. But overall, there has been a drastic regression in the football team from a defensive perspective and that to me was surprising again this is a football team that won the SC West last year this is a football team that most people thought was going to be a top five contender this year and they are certainly not that let's move on boys um what's the biggest surprise I actually have two of them and I kind of burned one of them I'm going to burn one of them right now it's not a surprise from a positive standpoint it's a surprise from a negative standpoint I know David Shaw left Stanford football I understand that I understand how good of a football coach he was I am a connoisseur of football. I know David Shaw was important to this sport. He was super important to that program. But for us to be halfway through the football season and looking up and going, yeah, Stanford might be, if not Virginia or if whoever, insert football team, Virginia or Stanford in the conversation for worst power five football team in the sport, that is shocking. 
That is sad. To me, that's not even shocking. It's sad to me that that is where we have resulted um, for one of the, I know they're not historically one of the greatest brands in the sport of college football, but college football is better when Stanford is good and Stanford is abhorrent right now. Yeah, it's, it's <clears throat> sad. That's a surprise I, to me. I didn't think it was ever going to be this bad. Missouri is my biggest surprise. Yeah. Uh, Mostly just due to the offense. Luther Burden, I know, is a great football player, but Lord have mercy as he's balling out right now. Brady Cook, a guy that was booed in week two or three <coughs> of the season, was getting booed by his own fans, is now showing up for his team as well and playing really good football. Came really close to getting the win against LSU. Well, TCU vibe offensively for them, not knowing who their quarterback was going to be. Right. Just absolutely getting lucky with the decision. I mean, I don't, want, I don't mean to do that to drink. But I definitely mean to do that to Sonny Dykes. Sonny Dykes last year, midway through the first two weeks, didn't know who his guy was. At least, you know, drink stuck with the guy week one, chose the right guy over Sam Horn, who's an immensely talented football player. But you're right. Brady Cook is lighting it up right now. Yeah, and they got the thicker kicker, man. So, shouts out to that. Do you even know his name? Muse is his last name, I think. I don't know. The thicker kicker. This is why branding is important. Okay, I mean, you know, whatever it is, if you, if you get outside of, you know, if you need marketing, um, whatever people call you, stick with it, okay, unless it's something you don't like, all right, if you keep going on radio shows and people keep saying, this is Brooks Austin, he's, he's this guy that does a bunch of film, hey, you might have yourself a name, you know what I mean, thicker kicker, stick with it, what do you got for biggest surprise? I've got UNC as my biggest surprise, if, Ooh. You, if you just said at the start because of, of defensive. Because of defensive, and they've seemed to be not immune to, but playing outplaying the fact that their O line's not that great. Yeah, we all said at the start of the season, you know, forty you, sacks. Yeah, we were like forty you, sacks yeah. a year. That's insane. Yeah. We're like Drake May's going to get killed. They're not going to be able to do anything. Not only are they five and zero, they've won all their games but one by at least fourteen points. Give me the sack numbers on them. I'm, I'm curious if they if they've become an, uh, an improved department of their football game. And here's the scary part. If you're an opponent on North Carolina's schedule, Tez Walker, now back, back on this football team. And I know he was able to dress out last week. I didn't quite see what he did or if he had any catches or anything like that or how they moved him in or got him comfortable. I would imagine he's been practicing or I would imagine they've been able to to keep him in, in shape loop, yeah. and keep him in the loop uh, offensively. So hopefully there's not like a, a an acclimation period, if you will, mm-hmm. with him. Uh, coming into the season. What, what do you got sack totals-wise? Uh, they're 59th in the country. They're allowing nearly three per game. Okay, so that's not near as bad as what it's been in years past. Years past has been about six and a half, seven sacks of oh, football yeah. games. So yeah. it's been yeah. pretty brutal for that football team. Um, so shouts out to North Carolina for seemingly putting it together um, from that standpoint. Um, game of the year so far. What are we thinking? I'll let you guys go because I, I, I think I got the winner. Oh, all right. You do? Yeah, I think I got the I winner. think I've got the winner. I think it's an obvious one, right? I thought I figured we'd all come in here saying the same one. What do you got? Oklahoma, Texas. Wrong. But tell me why. Tell yeah, go ahead. I mean, that is the game of the Big Twelve every single year. And that game was as good as I probably better than average. It was electric. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say you're lying yeah. to you. And it I was honestly a great don't football game. Wire I honestly, to wire. I honestly don't think that people were expecting Oklahoma to necessarily hang in for the entire game and even win the football game. And that game came down to the very last play, very last drive. I think that's the best football game. And it was punch for punch the whole game, trading back and forth. Dude, the first six minutes of that football game were some of the best football I've watched. I love you. It's a great take. It's a a great game. You're wrong. What's your? I want want to hear yours. 
I want to hear yours. No, no, no. I want, I want to hear yours. It's Colorado, Colorado State. God, I had it on the list. It is Colorado, it Colorado, is Colorado State. Colorado, the best football Colorado. game we saw all year. It had everything. We had drama. We had shit talking before the game. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of points. I think a 45-42 final on yep. that football game. We had last-second tension in that football game. We had physicality. That was the roughest, toughest football game outside of the Red River rivalry we had all year. We had everything in that football game. It was late night, Pac-12 after dark type yep. vibes. Man, that it game was, was drunk as shit the whole time. We had hospitalizations in that football game. God <laughs> dang, it was a great football it game. Was the, it's the only time you've heard people say Pac-12 after dark, and I stayed up for the entire that's football what, game. That's what – this game was an example of why college football is so great because 90% of people who watch that have not have watched Colorado. Have no fucking business watching Colorado <laughs> yeah. State football. Couldn't, couldn't name five players on the roster. Not only that, the buildup to that game where the whole Dion was like, oh, they made it personal. All of that. People forget about how hyped that was. I remember, like, everyone's going to be able to say, where were you when you watched Colorado and Colorado State? <laughs> like, it's, it's going to be one of those games. That's what makes college football so great. Because no one in the world would care about that game, but yet 9 million people stayed up to watch it. That's like the epitome of why college football is so good. As, as great as Oklahoma, Texas is, the big name brands are always going to sell themselves. Those are the types of games you expect to wear. Yeah, okay, I would get why that's a great game. But when you have games like this where they're sleepers and people don't really see them coming, that's why I think college football is superior to the NFL. I, I think we got robbed of the greatest game so far this season. It would have been Georgia-Oklahoma. Yeah, I think that Georgia at Oklahoma game would have been elite. Here's the thing, though. I think Oklahoma, I mean, if we're doing a major what if, I think Oklahoma wins that football game based off the way I've seen them play defensively. Mm-hmm. Because think about it this way. That would have been Carson Beck's true first road start. And you would have been facing a Venables defense that is as hectic with zone pressures as anybody in the sport. Um, not saying he wouldn't have come out unfazed, but you struggled on the road in the first start against o- or against Auburn. And um, I, th- I think Oklahoma might have nabbed you in that football game yeah. because Dylan Gabriel, extremely veteran savvy. The defense has played really, really well to start the football season for Oklahoma. If we're playing a bunch of what-ifs, I think Oklahoma might have got you week two. Yeah, I, I that was kind of going to be my take on it, is that the way you watch that Georgia team perform to start the season, it's not the team you see right now. I think no. head-to-head right now, Georgia wins that game. But you go into a hostile environment with a quarterback that would rel- honestly he would be making his first career start. Yes, you can you can say he started against UT Martin at home. That's not really a start when you get thrown into the college football environment. That was would be his first true start. That'd have been so fun. That'd have been a great game to go to. I, I don't shit. know shit about Norman. I don't know nothing about no, that place. Either. And I would imagine it is a place of football, and that is it. Got to be. It's my place. To it's going to fit right in in the SEC West. Mm-hmm. Right in. Oh yeah. Except for Austin. That's going to stick out like a sore thumb. Austin's going to make no sense to people in, from the SEC. Can you imagine somebody from Starkville going to Austin? No. Their fucking head's going to explode. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be like, what? There's more than one gas station here? <laughs> Am I in another country? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, game of the year for me was obvious. Colorado, Colorado State. I put Damn, it on my I, list. I really thought I was being kind of sneaky picking that Okay, one. no. I had it on my list, too, because I assumed that you guys were going to go with Texas, Oklahoma, and yeah. I wanted to have backups. Yeah, so I, I mean, what else? There. What else is there? The Notre Dame Notre, Duke game you know, was Alabama, elite. Texas. The Ohio State Notre Dame game was elite, but no points in those football games. Yeah, none. And I'm I'm a I'm a proponent of like the greatest NFL game I've ever seen was the regular season Rams Chiefs game. Yep. A couple oh. years ago in New Mexico, it was so drunk, so drunk, and uh, points left and if right. You I think a fifty-five, fifty-two final there. LSU Ole Miss. Damn, that's, a, that's another. It's a great call. That was a really, really great football game. We had a field storming after that as well. 
Oh, some legendary Dude, that's, moments. That was a guy who got some legendary over field storming moments there from that football pole game. Dancing on the field that's goal. That's a great submission, and honestly, it might be the winner. I mean, mm, nah, I still nah, Colorado, Colorado, Colorado State game. Colorado, was Colorado elite. State. They, and edge. they stormed it after that because yeah. it was a home game for mm-hmm. them. It's been a good season so far, dude. It has been a really, great really good college football season. season. So it's been a great time to have, you know, ventured into the national content space. Yeah. No I think we've done a really, really good job here. Uh, so patting ourselves on the back there. Do we have anything else before we wrap up tonight's show, gentlemen? That's all we got. I think, so. I think that is all we got. Hey, I love you. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button, like, subscribe, and rate and review it. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow night.